your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. We will be looking at the third commandment this morning. It's interesting, Chuck did the 11th commandment, and it just seems fitting that we uh, do the third commandment. I love how God works these things out. I thank God for our pastor who allows us to uh, fill the pulpit and teaching abilities as he is uh, gone uh, on, a, on an abbreviated uh, sabbatical, which is much needed with pastors and so forth. And, um, you know, all that is going on in our world, I think we need to be praying for our pastor and, uh, because as he leads us and guides us uh, through this time, uh, through the power of the Spirit of God. And so um, I just thank God for our pastor for allowing us to uh, speak. You know, I don't take this lightly. Uh, you know, a lot of people, they can probably get in a pulpit and do, you know, whatever. But I, I, I grew up in an era where you don't just play with the pulpit. Amen. And so um, I just come humbly and uh, just excited to what God has shown me through this word and hopefully uh, God will penetrate your hearts today. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. If you will, please stand as we read God's word. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. My purpose in preaching on this third commandment is for you to understand the magnitude and the weightiness of our walk. The magnitude and the weightiness of our walk of us as believers representing Yahweh. Each and every believer, listen to this, has an invisible tattoo that has visible effects. Pray with me. Father, I pray that you would touch our hearts. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. Lord, as always, use me as a vessel, vessel for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Name. What's in a name? You know, parents give names to their children. People give names to dogs and and ugly cats, you know. I, as you could tell, I, I don't like cats. I'm allergic to cats, you know. But we give names to things. The first four and a half years, my wife and I struggled with infertility. And then we, uh, you know, it's interesting because we already had all of our kids' names picked out. Now, before that, my wife, we got together, you know, and she said, hey, let's have ten. No, let's just meet halfway, and, and we ended up having, uh, we said we'll go for five. We'll go for five. We sat at the middle, you know, it was good. It was a good compromise. Thank God it was a good compromise. But our boys, names, number one, Caleb, James, Oni. We named them Caleb. We already had that name picked out for them, right? Now, it's interesting because when you look it up, Caleb means dog, but we'll talk about this in a minute. We didn't do that on purpose, right? But in Hebrew, it's a compound word. 
all right? And, and, and the ale, which is the lamed, is when you have this together, it, is, it means wholehearted or faithful. Dogs are faithful, right? Yeah. But faithful. Israel, James only, is our second son. Y'all see a pattern here, right? James only, I love that. We just love that name, Israel. Just, I mean, who don't like Israel, you know? We're for Israel, right? You know, Israel. Sometimes he act like Israel, you know, <laughs> rebellious, but it's all good. <laughs> Our third, Jamie. Jamie is in heaven. And we chose that name as a unisex name because we didn't know if our baby was a boy or a girl. So we named he or she Jamie. The fourth son, Joel. Joel, James only. <laughs> there we go again. Joel, James only. Joel came at a time in our lives. We, in, uh, when God called us to move from Panama City, to uh, Gracefield and obviously, uh, ultimately here, um, God did a work in our lives, a tremendous work in our lives. And God gave me a word. Uh, I, was, I was sitting at my uh, desk in my office and, and I was just struggling, just praying because God was moving us. And I know my wife didn't want to go and I was like, I was struggling and I was hurting and I was like, God, what am I going to do? And uh, God gave me Joel chapter 2, and I began to read that. And I, I just got up, and I just walked outside and, and, uh, uh, where um, it was like this little deck, and I just stood out there just kind of just hanging, looking outside. It was beautiful blue skies. And I was just praying to God, and all of a sudden, it started rain. And I'm like, where did this come from? Then it connected me back to the word of Joel. Latter rain will, y'all will follow me here, right? And so I came back into the, uh, my office and I just began to weep. And I shared it with my wife and my wife, not only, my wife, she, 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 when she reads, she don't just read the chapter, she had to read everything else with it and everything. So she was reading the whole thing and just, God just did a work in our lives. And we ended up, uh, as, as we moved and everything else, and then we found out we were having Joel, we said, let's name him Joel. Because it signifies the transition and what God has done in our lives and how he has been faithful to us. And Joel's name is, uh, is uh, Yahweh is God. Timothy, the surprise. Timothy James Oni. Oh, I love it. Timothy James Oni is the one who honors the Lord. That's the meaning of his name. Names mean something. Abraham, father of many, what? Nations. You have Moses. Moses' name means to draw out of the water. Now, isn't it interesting that he went and uh, uh, delivered, helped deliver the Israelites from Egypt? He drew them out of Egypt. Names mean something. Very important. There have been songs in Christendom that attributes honor and glory and majesty to the name. What a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be his glorious name. One old school one. There's something about that name Jesus. There's something about that name Jesus. It is the sweetest name I know. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Take the name of Jesus with you, precious name. Oh, how sweet. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. There are many attributes that speak to the name of Yahweh. You have in Joshua 24, 19, he is Elohim, Kedoshim, Holy God. Psalm 42, 9, he is El Sali, God, my rock. In Ezekiel 10, 5, he is El Shaddai, almighty God. In Exodus 17, 5, he is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. In Exodus 15, 26, Jehovah Rophi, the Lord, our healer. These are attributes that speak to the name of Yahweh. The very definition of name in, Eng in the English dictionary means a word or set of words by which a person, animal, place, or thing is known, addressed, or referred to. Again, uh, uh, the word name, the definition of name in the English dictionary is a word or set of words by which a person, animal, place, or thing is known, addressed, or referred to. So in essence, a name is how we are known. It's how we are known. My sons are known by their first, middle, and last names. They carry the family name. Y'all following me? They carry the family name. They represent me. They represent the name. But it's interesting. In Hebrew, Y'all are going to get a Hebrew lesson today. It's going to be Hebrew 101. The Hebrew word name uh, is Shem. And it literally means reputation. Reputation is tied to the name. In the first 12 chapters of Exodus, as we look in the first 12 chapters of Exodus, uh, Elohim made a name for himself distinct from every other nation and their God. Israel was oppressed by the Egyptians. They were oppressed. They cried out to God, and God finally heard their cry. And what happened, it was a burning bush while this lowly man walked by by the name of Moses. And in his appearance, in Yahweh's appearance with Moses, Moses asked, because God said, I want you to go and let my people go. And Moses asked, if your people ask, what is his name? What shall I say? God said, I am that I am. See, there's a lot of stuff packed into this particular statement. But I'll just put it this way. He is who he is. He is who he is. 
And so, so Moses goes and, and says to Pharaoh, God, Yahweh said, let my people go. And Pharaoh responded by saying, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And then Yahweh then proceeded to give Aaron and Moses a series of 10 plagues. And so now we see Egypt had this thing. They worship gods, different gods, god of the Nile, uh, uh, the frog god, whatever. You know, they had worshiped different gods. And so Yahweh proceeded to show who was the boss, who was the real and true authentic God. It wasn't no toe-to-toe, blow-for-blow. It was a wipeout. And it goes down to, to, to the 10th plague, and, and what he does is because Pharaoh thought he was the ultimate power of Egypt. He thought he was a deity. And the death of the firstborn happens. Then in chapters 13 through 14, it transitions to a rescue. The Israelites are rescued. And in chapter 15, a, a song of praise is given, Alan, a song of praise. And then in chapter 16 through 17, provision is given to a complaining people. Are y'all following me? In chapter 18, advice is given from a priest by the name of Jethro. And then in chapter 19, the Sinai experience. This is what it was all for, to get them to this point. God was getting ready to make covenant with them. And now we come to uh, what we known as the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments reflect and reveal God's righteousness. They were to set Israel apart from the rest of the world. And listen to this. Not only that, but it served as a guideline for living. And so we look at the first two uh, commandments. I think the first two commandments can be wrapped up in one, love Yahweh only. Because if you're going to make idols, obviously you're going to be worshiping that idol. So love only Yahweh. And then it gets to the third command. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Traditionally, we have understood this verse to mean cursing, profaning God's name, using it in a curse word. Wrongful pronunciation of Jehovah, oath, irreverent worship, false teaching. Please hear me. Now, I, I don't think that these things here, in this particular context, is speaking of that partic- those particular items. However, I do believe there are symptomatic problems of a bigger issue. I believe there are symptoms of a bigger issue. Let's look at this word, take. In your Bible, some of you may have misused, but the Hebrew word there is nasah. It's nasah, which means to bear up or bear or to lift up or to carry. It literally means that in Hebrew. It's the idea of a football team. Now, I'm a Gator fan. I don't expect to get yays. <laughs> but I'm a Gator fan. 
if someone puts on, if someone goes to the school, let's say my son, he wants to go to UF. He goes to UF and he gets on a football team. Let's just say that. Let's just think big, right? <laughs> he gets on a football team. Now, when he gets on that field, and not even on that field, but even when he's off the field, he represents what? UF. He represents that name. Are y'all following me? He represents that name. He represents the team. Now, let's take this a little further because we're going to look at a particular passage, actually a couple of passages, that have this same verbiage, and it is found in Exodus chapter 28. You can go ahead and start turning there. Chapter 28 of Exodus. Now, this is right in the midst of, uh, this is in an uh, immediate context, if you will, of this particular passage in uh, uh, 27. So it's, you know, when we talk about hermeneutics, we're looking at, okay, uh, how do we uh, carefully interpret God's word? We're looking at the immediate context. We're looking at the context, the immediate context, the whole of the book and the whole of the Bible. All right? So this is right in the immediate context here. And this is going after some, uh, uh, this is after the commandments, this is after some laws were given, and, and right in the midst of the building instructions of the tabernacle, God tells Moses this. He says, I want you to set Aaron and Aaron's sons apart uh, uh, from among the people of Israel. And he says, and Scripture says this, to serve as, everybody say, priests. Then it goes into the making of the priestly garments, this is what they are to wear. This is their regalia. This is their threads, you know. This is what they're going to wear. In verse 9 of 28, it says, You shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel. Six of their names on the one stone and the names of the remaining six on the other stone, according to their birth. As a jeweler engraves a signet, you shall engrave the two stones according to the names of the sons of Israel. These are the 12 tribes of Israel. Verse 12. Let's jump down to verse 12. It says, you shall put the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of memorial for the sons of Israel. And Aaron, check this out, and Aaron shall nassah carry, bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for a, a memorial. This is good, guys. This is good. Let's move over to verse 29. It says, Aaron shall nassah, carry, bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. Thus, Aaron shall nassah, carry, bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. You see, what we are seeing here is the priest Aaron, listen to this, this is good, the priest Aaron is representing Israel, the people of Israel, before Yahweh. He's representing them before Yahweh. He's in a temple. He's representing them before Yahweh. Let's look a little further. Verse 36. Let's jump there. You shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet. 
Your translation, some of your translations may have holy to the Lord. In Hebrew, this phrase is just two words. Kodesh le Yahweh. Kodesh le Yahweh. Kodesh is holy le Yahweh. The L in front, the Lamed in front of Yahweh's name indicates ownership. It literally means belonging to. Y'all following me? This is some good stuff. Belonging to, holy belonging to Yahweh. In verse 37, let's move on. And you shall fasten it on the turban by a cord of blue. It shall be on the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's what? Forehead. Oh, what? Holy belonging to, the, uh, to Yahweh should be on Aaron's forehead, and Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall regularly be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. Listen, do you know what this means? Do you know what this means? Aaron the high priest is wholly belonging to Yahweh. He is set apart to serve, uh, to, for service to Yahweh. He belongs to Yahweh and serves no other. He not only represents the people of Israel to Yahweh, but he represents Yahweh to the people. Are y'all following me? Let's look a little further in this connection. And I think what we have to do is go all the way back to the beginning of Sinai. When they get there, when they first arrive at Mount Sinai, chapter 19. Y'all didn't know y'all was going to turn that much, did you? Chapter 19. Verse 4, this is interesting. It says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. This is God speaking. And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my co uh, covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. Everything belongs to the Lord. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Did y'all catch that? Okay, Aaron was called out to be a priest, wholly belonging to Yahweh, right? But he says to the people of Israel, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests in a holy nation. Now, kingdom of priests not only wigged me out, but treasured possession did as well. Because treasured possession in Hebrew is the word segula. Segula. This word is used in treaty contexts to designate someone as the king's representative. Yahweh, the God of Israel, spoke these words to Moses and proceeded to give him the Ten Commandments that says, love only Yahweh. And then you shall not, listen, carry or bear the name of Yahweh in vain. Let that sink in for a moment. Aaron, the high priest, the people, kingdom of priests, 
Aaron, the high priest, wholly belonging to Yahweh, the people, kingdom of priests, Yahweh's treasured possession. Ladies and gentlemen, right here we see Aaron is a physical representative of what the people of Israel are to be. As his treasured possession, Yahweh places his name on his people to claim ownership. Therefore, they are not to live in a way to bring repute or misrepresentation to his name. In other words, the people of Israel have an invisible tattoo that says, holy belonging to Yahweh. And they are called to carry or bear Yahweh's name among the nations. They are to represent him well. Are you seeing it? You see, Sinai is a place of remaking. In Sinai, God remakes his people. He delivers them from Egypt, places them in the wilderness, and uh, begins to strip away Egypt. Their old identity has been lost. Now they are in a position, as one scholar noted, to become what they are meant to be. He chooses the wilderness to do his transformative work in the lives of the Israelite people. This is where they become a new nation. He reshapes their identity. Are y'all with me so far? You know, someone may say, that's all fine and dandy. You know, this is, this is for Israel. It's not for us. We Gentiles. I mean, we, we're Gentiles. That's for Israel. This is speaking to Israel. Well, let me bring this home. Yahweh did not only reshape Israel's identity, so that they can look different, act different, talk different, be different. He reshaped their identity to affect change in nations by representing him well, being ambassadors among the nations. You know, Apostle Paul, what happened? He was against the church. He was against Christians, against Jesus in particular. And he was going around, and all of a sudden, he was on his road to Damascus. He was going to even uh, 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 do away with some Christians there or whatever it may be, take them away, take them in prisoner or whatever it may be. But God did something to him, and it, he blinded him. And, and what happened is that he saw Jesus for the first time. He saw him for the first time, not physically, but spiritually. He understood and in Acts 9, during the Apostle Paul's conversion, God told a man by the name of Ananias to go down to a street called Straight. And what I want you to do, Ananias, I want you to lay hands on Paul that he may regain his sight. Now, obviously, you know, you can see that Ananias had some apprehension because he knew who Paul was. Then God proceeded to tell Ananias in Acts 9 and 15, Go for he is a chosen instrument of mine. Listen to this. To carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. 
Now, we Gentiles who were once dead in our sin, shaped in iniquity, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, we Gentiles who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So then you and I, Gentiles are no longer strangers and aliens, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. We are one. We are one. So you may be asking, and as we get to the first point, why? Why does this matter? Why does this matter? It matters because this means that we now have a new identity. We have a new identity. We are, listen to this, we are kingdom citizens, part of a kingdom agenda with kingdom authority. Listen again, we are kingdom citizens, part of a kingdom agenda with kingdom authority. We don't look like everybody else. We should walk different. We should talk different. We should be different. We are to represent the king of this new kingdom. And everything we uh, do ought to align with the purpose and rule of the kingdom. The way we think, our choices, our decisions, our responses. Ladies and gentlemen, kingdom of, uh, of priests, partakers of the promise, fellow heirs, members of the same body, we are all tatted up. We are all tatted up. We have an invisible tattoo that we received on the day of our conversion, wholly belonging to Yahweh. And our invisible tattoo should have visible results in every tribe, in every tongue, in every nation. Listen. To bear his name in vain, as one scholar noted, is to live no differently than the surrounding pagans. It's no different than living than people in this world. We are different. We respond differently because we're a part of a kingdom. Y'all with me? As I conclude, how? How? How can I, I, I carry his name? How can I not carry his name in vain? I, I, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I, I'm not perfect. Yes, and I understand that. We are all not perfect. But what helps us represent Yahweh well are three things. Number one, 
staying connected through prayer. Staying connected through prayer. Our communication with God is of the utmost importance. Relationships grow through communication. If I don't ever talk to my wife and she's trying to get a response out of me, I'm going to have a couple of dings on my head. I mean, we grow as we communicate. Are y'all feeling me? Y'all walking with me on this, right? We grow as we communicate. Our communication to God is of the utmost importance. Have you spoken to your father today? Relationships grow. Not only staying connected through prayer, but staying connected through the word. Staying connected through the word. God's word, listen, ladies and gentlemen, God's word is sufficient. It is sufficient for everything. And what I mean about sufficient, it's enough. It's enough. Nothing supersedes this book. Nothing. Nothing supersedes this book. The scriptures are God-breathed. See, in our society, we raise other books more than we do the word of God. That is not right. Scriptures are enough. It's not a supplement. Listen to this. So as we stay close or as we stay connected through his word, he helps us see ourselves. And if we allow him to, he will do a transformative work in us daily. You see, this is not a one and stop thing. I just read my Bible, I'm good and I'm gone. This is a daily thing. This is something that we have to do daily. We are a part of a kingdom. So not only through staying connected through prayer or staying connected through the word, staying connected to others. In 1 Peter chapter 2, speaking to Jews and Gentiles, Peter says that we are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Now, some of you know that my dad used to build houses, and I used to help him build houses as a little kid. I was 9, 10, 11 years old. And uh, I, I used to do the mortar mix. Now, mortar is a mixture of lime with cement and, and, and sand and water. And, and what it does is it bonds the bricks uh, or, or stones uh, together as, as uh, we are building on a foundation. You know, it's interesting about what Peter is saying. He's saying we are connected and being built up together, connected together on a foundation that is Christ. If one brick, two brick, three brick, four are missing and we are compromised, we need each other. This is why church is so important. This is why people are so important. We need each other. We are being built up as a spiritual house, connected together 
the Bible says. We are walking epistles. How we live matters. How we live matters. There's a world out there who is lost and have no hope. They're searching, searching, and searching. But they're not finding fulfillment in their search. And the way we represent Yahweh matters. People are watching us. It matters how we carry his name. Maybe you are here today and you're feeling uncertain of your life. Maybe you are running from something and you don't even have no clue where to go. I was there at one point in my life. Let me speak to you for a second. God loves you. He loves you with an unbelievable love. With an unconditional love. And the only fulfillment is found in Jesus. It's not Buddha. It's not Krishna. It's not any of this other stuff. It is only found in Jesus. Those of you who are here in this place or watching live stream, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. There will be a day when this life passes. And in the words of John in Revelation chapter 22, verses 3 and 4, he says, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and, the, and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face in his name will be on their foreheads. Holy, belonging to Yahweh. If you want that invisible tattoo, if you are seeing that you have nowhere else to run and you want to run to Jesus, If you're in this place today, if you look in your worship folder and on the back you have a tear-out slip, and if you will, fill that out, drop it in a basket on your way out, or the better option would be to go to the Welcome Center, hand it in and talk to someone. Jesus loves you. He loves you. Those who are watching via live stream, all you have to do is text decision to 334-384-8080. Or maybe you say, well, I'm already tatted up. You know? I'm already, I already belong to Yahweh. But I, I, I want a church home. And I say this all the time, we are not a perfect church. There are no perfect churches. 
But I believe, honestly, with my whole heart that we are a healthy church. And one thing I love about our pastor is he preaches the word of God and he believes this word. If this is where God is calling you, if this is where God is calling you to plant and to be with family, all you have to do again is to fill out that uh, slip, drop it in the basket on your way out, or please just go by our welcome center so we can talk with you, grab some information with you. Bob, I know he will be out there to uh, talk with you. Those of you who are joining, all you have to do again is text that number JOIN to 334-384-8080. Ladies and gentlemen, we are called to worship only Yahweh and represent him well. Let us not carry his name in vain. Vain is worthless. Let us not carry his name in vain. Pray with me. Father, you're so good to us. Thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, your love. Lord, you sent your son to die for us. A death he did not deserve, but we did. And God, you didn't keep him in the grave, but you rose him up. He was raised on the third day, and we have life. He has power over the grave. Lord, for those of us who are in here who does not have that personal relationship with you, I pray that they will seek you with their whole heart and surrender their lives to you, knowing that they can't do it by themselves and they need you. I pray by the Spirit that you would convict their hearts, draw them to yourself. Lord, for those who are seeking a home, I pray, Father God, that you would press upon their hearts. If you're calling them here, Lord, I pray that they will come. And Father, I pray for all of us who, who, who are walking this life. Lord, it's not easy, it's hard, but we know that we can find fulfillment and joy in you. You suffered. We're going to suffer. But, Father, in that suffering, we find joy. And so I pray, Father God, as we walk our walk daily, that you would help us, that you would strengthen us, that you would take care of us, Lord. Get us through those tough times and allow your spirit to move in our hearts. that we may be able to represent you well to a dying world. Lord, we thank you and we honor you. It's in your son Christ's name we pray. Amen.